We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. My name is Andrew Laird, Senior Soccer Editor of Rotowire, joined today by Sean Newsham, also known as PSU Fans, to talk about some DFS and some so rare. Sean, welcome. Uh, howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm sitting here looking at Twitter, seeing the Real Batiste starting line for the friendly so I can try to figure out who to get to go with my Claudio Bravo if he starts or does anything like that. Did you ever look at those things before so rare? Uh, in terms of preseason friendlies, no, not really. Like sometimes I would look at them occasionally, but I wouldn't do it now. Now I'm sitting there every single team I have players on, I'm looking up their friendlies and seeing who has played with what groups in the friendlies, try to see who's like ready. Cause like, especially with a lot of the Euros, Copa America and everything like that a lot of players aren't back yet or have had extended yeah. breaks and they're not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. So like seeing who's back and like playing in the friendlies is a good indication of who's going to be ready. So for the champ Europe stuff that's been going on, I've been looking through all the teams to try to figure out who's going to play, who's going to be available. I did the same for obviously Jubilee league a little bit ago. So all those leagues where I have guys that I have questions, whether or not they'll play at the beginning of the season, I'm looking through the friendlies to see what they're doing. I think one of my favorite things is the like significant overreaction to preseason friendlies and not even like guys who play well, but just like guys who are playing and everyone's like, Oh, look who's in. I've, I've got him. He's going to play this year. And then you realize like whoever it is is in because the guy who starts ahead of him was at euros and like, there's really no chance he's going to start, but he's played every friendly. So let's go. And it's like, I think it, there's, there's an overreaction in general, at the beginning of the season, too, like if, if a guy comes in, like, let's say he subs out at 60 minutes uh, first three games of the season and he's like a generally a 90 minute guy, like you might overreact and be like, oh, this guy's terrible. Or like like Hans Vonneken, let's let's use him, for example, obviously he just came back from the Euros. First game was in the squad. Last game he was on the bench. Maybe this game he'll come in and play 60 minutes instead of 90 that he normally would play. And people like, oh, like he's clearly not in favor, not in the plans. And then all of a sudden he's playing 90s, racking up his 80 points a game. So I definitely think that that happens. I will say I was annoyed about Habib Gay for Courtright because I have his unique and his super rare. 
And in the preseason, he started every preseason mm -hmm. game for the most part. He played like every game last season. And in the preseason, he was like averaging like two goals a game, was taking penalties. I was like, this is absolutely fantastic. And then the first two games of the season, he doesn't start. I'm like, where is this even coming from? But hmm. uh, definitely makes sense. Would you have gone out and bought cards? Like if you didn't have the super rare, would you have like gone out and gotten the super rare knowing what his preseason was like? Uh, no, I probably wouldn't have done that per se because he's not the best scorer of all time. He's okay. He can score goals. I think he had like double-digit goals last year. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't say I would go out and buy his super rare per se, but maybe if it was the right person or the right thing that I was looking for, I would consider it. If it was on a team, like let's say it was a team stack I was doing and I saw someone that's like this guy's locked in. Uh, for example, like if, if he had a card, but – uh, for Gank, Sadiq's been the main center back in the friendlies, the beginning of the season, and the uh, and the first Europa qualification for Champions League. He was the guy that was in the lineup over Cuesta and over McKenzie, which is a good indication that he might be the guy that when the season starts, if Lakumi transfers, like he might be the guy that is going to be the starter regardless of the other guys. Um, yeah. So maybe I would have bought someone like him, but overall, like I won't generally do something like that. Why is Gianni Bruno only playing 60 minutes? He was, he hell? was literally the person I was thinking of when I was talking about overreaction at the beginning of the season. Like I expected Bruno to rack nine. I honestly expected Bruno to be a slightly better Uremchuk because Uremchuk wasn't taking penalties and Bruno takes penalties in some sets. So I was thinking there was a possibility like he would be a better version of what Uremchuk was. And then obviously like the first game he played like 57 minutes and was not involved. Then he was rotated out in, in the, the Europa League qualifier. And then this past weekend, he was the first guy off the field at like 60 minutes. So like completely unexpected from me. I was expecting like 90s locked in, penalties yeah. locked in really heavy involvement and just hasn't been there yet. Now that said, I'm not overreacting that. Like I'm not trying to go sell the Bruno card. However, if we're looking at, let's say the end of August and he's still like rotating out on occasion and playing 60 minutes, good chance. I would look to sell someone like that. Uh, if he's scored goals and sort of like got good stats from the goal scoring standpoint, because like last game he scored his goal with Zass. Well, if he scores a butt goal like six straight games, but he's playing like 55 minutes and not really being involved, that's a great time to sell a card like that. You don't think he then improves if he can figure out how to use other parts of his body to score? No, I mean, maybe, but if he's only going to go for 55 minutes, I would, I would worry about yeah. that. That's fair. That's fair. I have this like weird spot for Bruno because I bought one at the end of last season. Like not, there was like a little talk that he was going to leave, but there was no like, specific spot early on so i got him I'm trying to look i got him at 0.085 and then he got the transfer and it was like boy i really like lucked into that one so like the selling him at this point like i have him for so cheap that i mean i guess you could look at it that i sell if i low sell him now it's still going to be like a decent profit but um i don't know he was like my cheap spot to get into challenger and he I, still mean, is, I, so. I thought going into the season he was one of the better options because when you look Gent's pretty good. Gent's decent squad. They're yeah. going to score quite a few goals. Like, Uremchuk obviously did really well there. Um, but, like, you look at all the good options for, like, forwards in, like, the Jubilee League, right? Lucas Nemencha left. He's gone. All the Gent guys are in a 
are they going to stay or are they going to leave type of situation? Yeah. Um, you look at like, do you really want boss dose? No, not really. You probably would not really want that card. So like, it's just difficult. So like when I look at Johnny Bruno, I'm like, this is a guy that isn't super old that has a few years left. Very productive should be really good. He got an upgrade of a team again. So I thought it was very favorable. Um, but it hasn't been yet. It hasn't been bad yet. I mean, like I said, he scored that goal last week, bailed him out. Uh, we'll see where he goes from here. Just goal scorers know how to get the ball in the net, Sean. It's as simple as that. They did, and he made that happen. He made that happen, <laughs> and, and I had him in a decent lineup and was happy to see that goal. I think I might have had a good lineup with him in the lineup this week. The week before, I think I finished second in the, the weekly special with him. It, it just so happened I had him in the weekly special and I had him in the global D2 lineup, both of which were like really good lineups and I really need him and he was terrible the week before. Um, but like my lineup in the weekly special was so good. Like everyone had like 80 to 90 points except for him. So I was still able to get like second, but I needed like 42 from him to get like first instead of like 38 he got or something like that. You win a jersey for that? I did, but I haven't got anything from it. I sent uh, an email to support on that. But, yes, I did supposedly win a signed jersey of who knows, but we'll have to see how that <laughs> plays out, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, in, in terms of the chat, I see you asked about Florian Talvan. I think he should do really well. Uh, he should be pretty successful. He's way too good for the Mexican League. I know we use that term for MLS, like players that are way too good for MLS. Um, Mexican League is obviously a more difficult league, but – Tavan should be pretty good there. I would think that as long as he starts and plays consistently, his stats should be pretty favorable in that league. And I, I looked at buying a super rare of him. I said for me, I, you and I have sort of talked about this uh, a bit, but like I don't really care about rares in terms of like getting a rare. It, it's not a game changer for, for me at, the, at this stage right now. Like getting a, yep. a good rare is like, Okay, it, like I'm not saying I don't want a good rare. Like obviously, I would love good rares and want options to play. But like, for example, if I add Flair and Tavan and he averages, let's say, 57 points a game, and he's a good, solid mid that plays every game, that's great. Like, love to have guys like that. But like, I have Carlos Gill, RIP. I have Zalarian. I have Goran. I have I have lots of guys that can can give yeah. me those stat lines. That's not huge. If you give me a super rare of that guy, that really helps increase my team and really improves my team. Because, like, even super rares, like, I have some good ones. Again, RIP Carlos Gill. Um, I have this now best midfielder in the MLS, Madron. Um, so <laughs> I have him, and I have, like, Jack Price, both really, really good mids. They're both really solid. But, yep. like, I find myself on a week-to-week -week basis, I use, let's say, two super rare mids in – D2. I use one in a D1. I use another one to two in D3. I use another one to two in global D2 or D2 and D3. So all of a sudden, like you're talking, I'm using like seven super rare mids and I'm going down the list. Like this week I used, uh, I mean, again, RIP Carlos Gill. Um, but this week I used Gill super rare. I used a Frankowski super rare. Got to get the Chicago fire stack back in. The full stack is in this week, Laird. And Carlos Gill is out. So, like, that frees up rewards. Um, Isn't Frankowski out, though? 
No, well, there's the rumor that he's going to be going to to Lens, but I mean, he's not out as of yet. I mean, when he, if he's, he's not out, out as of yet, but he might score as many as Carlos Hill today. Or well, yeah, today. yeah, he could he could be on that similar stat line. We don't know. We'll see. Again, that news came out today, so there's nothing I could do anyways about. It. Like, yep. so I played Nani Super Rare Mid, which I, if anyone wants to buy, I'm selling the Nani Super Rare Mid. Um, and then I played. Carlos Gill, I played Pedro Santos, who, by the way, I, I know, I think we talked about last time on the show that I came on. Pedro Santos playing left back soup is like really good. It's it's a very, very, very strong card. Um, it's one of the best mids out there. Then I got Luciano Acosta super rare. I got Alvaro Madron super rare. And then I have Kevin Parede super rare, Alvaro Barrel super rare that I'm using in U23. But I use a lot of super rare mids. So like if you give me a good super rare mid, a good super rare D, a good super rare forward, those have passed into my lineup more so than like a good rare mid or rare forward types. My gallery is obviously much smaller than yours, but I'm starting to get to that point with champion America midfielders. It just seems like there are too many of them that, like, I don't have price. I obviously have that Carlos Hill card that's now going to be worthless for the rest of the season. But, like, I don't have Madron, but I have Acosta, I have Zalarian, I have Reynoso, who's finally, like, coming on. De La Cruz from, from River Plate. Like, it's weird because there are, like, when Tovan came up, I obviously didn't have Carlos Hill at that point. But it was like, oh, should I try to go get one? And I just wasn't sure, like, you... Once you start playing D3 and attempting to play D2 like I am, accumulating more rares doesn't help. It only like takes away budget from super rares, which is what I've been trying to get because I'm trying to like move up, progress to the higher divisions. But yeah, it just seems like the, the number of like, I don't want to call them all elite, but like very, very good midfielders, in, at least in Champion America, like they're just a bunch of them. Yeah, and so that's not really how you differentiate yourself. Correct, and like, like, so I have like Jesus Medina. I think you probably have a Medina too. Like, he's solid. He's really good. You don't have a Medina. You didn't like Medina, if I remember correctly. I've, I've never liked him. Yeah, you think like Tati, you think Tati makes him look good despite Tati missing like eight thousand BCM. Like, no, no, no. Medina is like a walking big chance missed. Like, and Cassianos like leads the league, but still. Have you seen Tati? I mean, he's he, regression, Sean. He's, he's hot now. <laughs> I've watched him score. It's all, it's over now. He's, he's, uh, no, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, there's lots of good, like, I can play Pedro Santos rare mid and average like 55 to 60 points very consistently. And he probably, I don't know, he's probably really cheap. I haven't checked his, his rare price. Let's check this out. Um, and, and I can play that. So, like, it, it, a rare mid that's good is not a game changer. Uh, per se. Yeah, like Pedro Santos rare mid is under 0.18 and he averages 60 in his L40. So like this is a guy that averages 60 points and you can get him under 0.1 ETH. So like the rare mids in terms of especially in America and Asia, it just does not matter. Now that said, like if it's in Champ Europe or U23, it probably matters. And Talvan would probably be good on All American, the new show, the football show um, on CW. I think he could be a good villain on one of those teams because he's got like that pretty boy look to him that could fit in well um, while being the villain of the show. But yeah, so like, I mean, rare mids, 
just aren't. And also, like, so what we just talked about, if I'm playing that many super rare mids, and you probably are playing quite a few super rare mids yourself, there isn't very many spots for rare mids. Because if I'm using two super rare mids in D3, I can't play a rare mid. So, like, all of a sudden, all of my rare mids are down in D4. And, I mean, all your return in D4 is just obviously not as strong as what it would be um, in D3, for example, with those cards. So, I, I find outside of, like, Carlos Gill right now, the only he's really the only guy I want to play in D3 because he's probably too good to be in my D4 lineups right now. So, I try to press him in my D3. But these other guys, like, they're all fine. I play them in D4. Uh, they get me what I need done. I think from a um, from a threshold standpoint, like if you're looking for threshold and you're looking for good D4 type of players, a guy like Talvan can really help you because I, I think there's a good chance like his his L40 is like 49, but I, I think part of that's flawed because he was subbing quite a bit in that on and off. And obviously, again, he was playing on a good-ish team, but in champion Europe. He's now going to go to one of the best teams in America. I would probably anticipate his L40 maybe creeping up to, like, let's say 55. I think he's a really good player that you could possibly get to get you a 55 average. But again, like, so we, we're talking about that, right? So Talvan right now is selling for 0.155. Well, you can just go get Pedro Santos that I just talked about for like 60% of the price of him. And Santos is kind of locked in to start. Whereas Talvan, he's really questionable what his role is going to be, at least to start. So I I, I think a player like that makes sense. I, I would obviously enjoy having a Talvan, would enjoy having a Talvan super rare, would enjoy having all of his cards. But I think you could maybe do a little bit better with your money elsewhere. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the key is that like he, it seems like the price is still there's still champion Europe price built into them. And like champion Europe players are just generally more expensive than champion America. And so you're basically paying a champion Europe price for a champion America midfielder. And he's not, he's not Carlos heel. And so if you don't have that, then there are guys that you can get probably for cheaper. Uh, and they're just a lot that you can play. So you kind of you get you just get stuck. I think that's the problem. Is that right. there are guys that are cheaper that you can play. Pedro Santos is old as balls though. Like he's that's he's why people, old, that's why he's cheaper. Yeah, like I would I would obviously rather not have his age. His age is a little bit higher than I would feel comfortable with. But he's not like he's not like thirty six, right? He's not like that thirty six year old that you're like, uh, is this it for him? You look at him, he's thirty three. I think he just turned thirty three too. So you might be like, I can get another two to three years out of Santos. Um, but yeah, obviously the age does play a factor with him. Yeah. <clears throat> I love calling people old who are like significantly younger than me. So yeah, that... I'm 33. So like I just call a guy old that is literally my age. <laughs> I can't even remember what it's like to be 33. So no, to be fair, I, I call myself old all the time. As far as I'm concerned, we, I, I talk about this with the wife. Where do you consider going over the hill, Larry? Yeah, I mean, you at least have to be in your forties. Oh, see, I th I think it's twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you get out of college and it's all downhill. For me, it was like twenty and a half. So, uh, this this is how I describe it, right? So, I went to a branch campus of Penn State for two years 
because it was in my home city and my parents weren't comfortable with me going to Penn State to start. So we played intramural sports and we're really good. Like we played, like we didn't lose a volleyball uh, league for two years. We were competitive in like all of the intramural sports, right? And then I transferred down to Penn State main campus and I showed up for like the basketball game that I was on. And like the up the opposition team was like the football team. And yeah. like they're sitting there doing windmill dunks in warm-ups. And I'm sitting there looking at myself. I'm like, all right, this is the end. I'm done. I wrapped <laughs> it up after that, did not play another intramural sport the rest of the year, sat in my in my room and played video games going forward. So I consider over the hill at, at 22. When you're when you're done with college, it's all downhill from there because like you're in the working world now. No one wants to work, so I, I call the, the hill 22. My wife hates it because I tell her she's old all the time. She can't stand it. So I, I think it's a little after college because there's something about being out of college and having a job and like having like consistent money and being able to like do whatever you want. Not that like college was different than doing whatever you want. But like, I think it's a little after college where you get like true independence. That's if you have a job, the people who like graduated and didn't have jobs. I think that's, that's quickly downhill after that. But I, I think like post-college a little bit, but I, I don't want to say, or I don't want to admit to myself that I'm already like well on my way to the, like down the hill of life, but the number says it. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I'm down the hill for sure. Like if I get, well, I, I also like, you know, let's be honest. I sit on a computer all day. I'm not the most well in shape person of all time and don't do anything that's considered healthy. Well, I don't drink or anything. I don't drink, do drugs or any of that stuff. So like that, that helps, that helps a little bit, but like I sit on a computer for 12 hours a day. Like I don't consider that like a, a model of success for in terms of longevity. So right. My wife hates talking about, but like if I get to like 70, day that that's probably pretty good. So I told her, I'm like, she always gets upset. She's like, you're gonna live to like 95. I'm like, I don't want to live to 95. I have no interest in living till 95. But you know, I, that that's valid. And to be fair, like being able to do your own things is is nice. And having a little bit of money to where you can actually afford some things is nice. Yeah. I remember in college, and I've talked about this with my wife and friends. I never did like spring break trips or never did any trips with my friends because none of us had money um, and none of us had like parents that were going to pay for us to go on a trip. So like, I wish I had some money back then to where I could be like, Oh, Hey, let's go to Florida on our spring break as a group of friends. Um, never did stuff like that. And I, looking back, I wish I did, but nowadays like going on trips where you can do what you want to do as an adult is nice. But at the same time, like, Looking back, when you when your parents tell you when you're like 14, like cherish this time, it's the best time of your life. They aren't kidding because like once you're done with college and you're working, most people, you and I both are a bit luckier from that perspective that yeah. we probably like our job more than most people. We can do a lot of what we want to do compared to what other people can do. And we probably, I mean, we probably work more than 40 hours a week, but it's not like a miserable 40 hours a right. week. Yeah. Um, like when you start doing that stuff, man, it's just like, I remember the first job I had out of college when I worked for the junior hockey team, I absolutely hated it. 
for I was there for like three years almost. And like the first year I was an intern, unpaid intern working like 70 hours a week. Hmm. It was awful. But like and then I started getting paid, but they paid so poorly. Like I would I remember the day where I was like past my breaking point was we actually got about 10 days off at Christmas and we never have gotten that before. And the first day of that uh that break like literally i woke up and i was just like oh my god i don't want to go back in 10 days and i and from that day i was like that's just awful and then eventually i got let go and eventually i started obviously doing dfs stuff and it changed but it was it was interesting to say the least i actually worked in finance before i got into rotowire and so i've had those jobs where you're sitting at a desk doing miserable stuff for 60 to 70 hours a week it's awful. It it was just not for me. I'll put it that way. And uh, I did it for a while, and then eventually was able to switch out. But well, yeah. And I talked. I talked to my dad. My dad. We we own a family restaurant. My dad has been a manager there for forever. Hates it. Hates it. Has hated his hated it for years. But once you have a wife and once you have kids, you're responsible for them. So like you have to do what you have to do to provide for them. So like if that means you have to work 50 hours a week, five, 10 hour days and hate your life. You sort of have to do that until you can figure out something else that you more prefer. Um, so like, but, but before you do that, and if you have the ability to like live off of very small amounts of money, like that's the time to like try things that you may enjoy yeah. and may like in life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I was going to, try to talk about DFS a little bit and how we got into so rare. But before that, we have this question from Chris about this ETH rising and how we think it's going to affect so rare over the next few weeks. I guess it hit 2,700 today. Yeah. It seems like it's keep going up too. I hate it. I want to keep, you and I have talked about it before. So when I'm in a buying mode, which I just about am finished buying at the moment, I want ETH to be like, 10 because yeah. I have my ETH and I'm ready to spend my ETH. I want to spend 0.1 ETH on something where people are like, oh, that's a thousand dollars. Let me get it. When I'm in a selling mode, I want ETH to be at like 1K um, so that I can sell. So like I'm about done with my buying mode. And I would like to sell some Challenger Super Rares eventually. Once all the Challenger Leagues are running, I want to sell some Challenger Super Rares because I have just a bit too many. Um, so like I think what we're gonna see is if ETH keeps going up, like if we hit like 3K, I think we're gonna see what we saw a couple months ago when ETH hit like 4K, and we're just gonna see a dead zone because there's people that look at things in ETH and people look at things in fiat and dollars, and there is like a number where the people that look at it in dollars are okay to buy, but or I'm sorry, like people that view things in ETH, like I'm not going to sell cards for a thousand dollars when ETH is at 4K ETH, but I'll sell cards when they're at thousand dollars at 1K ETH. Uh, but there's also people that want to buy cards and those people are generally going to buy them more when it's high. But I'm just not interested in selling most of my cards for low ETH values because my goal in the long run is to increase my ETH. And so therefore I want ETH to hit like if ETH hit like $500, 
I would be like fist pumping because I would be selling cards that for like 0.5 ETH that I would have sold like today for like 0.05 ETH. I would much rather do something like that. So I think we're going to see the market not dry up, but there's going to be a disconnect because a lot of the high end players, a lot of the, the majority of the big players, they want ETH yeah, and they're not going to sell when ETH is high. So like, I've made a lot of deals with uh, guys that have a lot of big cards because a lot of the time we talked about earlier how for me, a guy like Talvan might not be as important for my gallery, but to someone else that has like, let's say a 10 or 15 ETH gallery or a two ETH gallery, a guy like Tovan might be huge. Well, if you come to, if I have a Talvan, like let's say when ETH is at 1K, I'm way more willing to sell him for 0.25 ETH, if it's like $500, then I'm willing to sell him at $500 at 0.05 ETH. Like I'm not going to sell him at that point. So I think what you'll see is a lot of the big accounts that have a lot of cards will just not sell anything when ETH is, is high. That is the time when they will buy things, however. Um, but I know a lot of the big accounts have a lot of stuff sorted out. And one thing I just noticed recently, and this was a... Um, recent sort of realization by me is I'm trying to get champion Europe super rares and I'm trying to get decent super rares. So uh, we talked about last time, I think last time I came on with you, we were talking about my inner Milan stack, right? Mm -hmm. I've sorted that out entirely. I gave up on Lukaku. He was a little bit too much, which might work out better for me because if he goes to Chelsea, yeah. I would much rather have Lataro anyways uh, for my stack purposes. And then I actually went and sorted out a defensive stack of AC Milan for D3 purposes and with the flexibility to move it into D2. But so what I tried, what I sort of realized is I was looking for guys like, not like Neymar's or Mbappe's. I was looking at guys like Insigne and like Marco Verratti and like Frank Kessie and, and just, just random people like that. Or, or like rares, for example, like rares I was looking for. Um, some decently high-end rares. The big players have those cards and not really anybody else, which, I mean, people have talked about before that a lot of the whales have the big cards. Well, yeah, they have the big cards for a reason. They're the valuable cards. But the difference with it is no one's selling Champ Europe because they think that Champ Europe is going to boom, sort of. Yeah. So if you have a situation where I want, for example, Lukaku. I want his rare. I, I tried to get his rare for like a week and a half, and it, it slowed down my progression of getting cards. Um, but literally no one was selling him. And like normally, like, so I went to, to YNWA and asked him about his Lukaku, for example. And, and I asked him about other cards too. But I'm like, hey, are you interested in selling your Lukaku? And he's like, I just am not interested in selling right now because of um, I'm not selling Champ Europe cards. I think that if there's a boom, those are the cards you want. I, I agree 100% with that. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. I wouldn't sell it either. I just don't have it, so I'm going to. Whereas on the flip side, like if I go to AJ and I'm like, hey, AJ, you don't use this this rare or super rare in MLS at all because you have a lot of better options. Will you sell it? He's like, yeah, what's well, a fair price? I give him a fair price. He's like, okay, sure. And then, and then we get a deal done. So like there was – I don't think I've done it like super recently with him, but like there was a time where I'm like, Hey, this car just sold on auction for 0.4 ETH. You don't need it. Can I give you 0.4 ETH for it? And he's like, sure, no problem. But I'm like, Hey, 
this Lukaku went for 1.3 yesterday. Can I give you 1.3? No, I'm not interested in selling him. I, I'm going to hold it for like two, two and a half. And, and so like, I, I, I realized that like champ Europe and especially the superers, cause there's only someone, a lot of the superers, there's not 10 of them. There's like five. Yeah. So like, if I look at it and I I've reached out. So like, I'm looking at like, um, I forget who I was looking at the other day. I looked for a player and I'll just use Frank Kessie because I did look for him the other day, but I and I've had some conversations about him. But I'm not ready to make that move. Um, and I'm like, I look through the list. The list is like, like AJ Carapu. Like if, if Carapu has a card, I just assume I'm not going to get it because like he doesn't need to sell it. He has no incentive to sell a card. He just doesn't care. Yep. Um, so I'm just like, okay, that card's gone. Like I, I see like Zima Blue have him. Like, I'm not going to get a card from Zima Blue. He's not going to sell a card. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, I got like one option to get a card. And then I'm like, hey, this guy's rare price is like 0.5. Realistic price point on him is like 2, 2.5. Are you interested in selling? It's like, no, I'm not interested in selling at all for that. So like getting these cards in Champ Europe is really, really difficult. Yeah. No, I think I think that's the point is that like the we don't think about the collectability. And, and I don't even think they're really holding them for collectability. But just the point that, like, if there is another boom, like, of course, those are going to be the cards that that the people who are outside now and come in want, because those are the players we all know. Like, th- those are the cards all of us want. They're just expensive now. But theoretically, they could be a lot more expensive in the future if if we end up getting, you know, hundreds of thousands to a million users. Simple as that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I don't blame anyone for not selling those cards. Right. It's not Like, it's not a... Oh my God, the whales have all these cards or like, I can't get these cards. I, I can get those cards. I just have to pay for them. If I tell AJ that I want a Frank Cassie super rare and it's valued at two and a half ETH and he doesn't want to sell it that. And I tell him I want it for three ETH and he doesn't sell it that. I tell him it's five ETH and he's like, okay, I'll sell it at five ETH. If I want a card, I go get a card. It's just a free market. If you want a card, I, I can guarantee you 99.9% of cards on so rare I can get. Just a matter of how much I have to pay to sure. get them is, is the question. Yep. That makes sense. Do you do you think you so I want to go back to this whole if ETH goes to to one, you know, a thousand. If if ETH goes to a thousand and you say you want to sell all these cards, like you you obviously have plenty of extras at this mm-hmm. point. But is your goal to create a very like efficient gallery or are you just going to end up posting all of your extra stuff? So I think for me, my goal would be to one, I wouldn't turn down an absurd offer on a card. Uh, someone gives me like, I don't, I don't have the Mbappe type cards, but like, for example, if a boom happens and someone comes to me for Joao Felix and it offers me like 10 ETH, I'm taking it. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, I'll sell for 9.9 though. Yeah. You'll beat me too. Like I tell you what, if the next time there's a boom, if there's another boom in the near future, I'm interested to see how quickly you pull the trigger to dump Joao Felix. I think it is last time we talked last time, the whole time it was going up, we kept talking about it. And you kept hemming and hawing of like what I should do, what I should not do. What did he get to? What was the high he got to? Like seven? I think it might have been even higher. I mean, there there was like what I remember there was one outlier. Yeah. And that I was like, like seven. And if it's like like I, I remember you talking last and even with Alfonso Davies was the same thing, but you're like, 
if if it gets to like 10, I'm going to sell it. I think this time if Joao Felix I don't remember what the number eight, was. If Joao if Joao Felix gets to like 2.2, you're selling him this time. Like <laughs> there's just no way Joao Felix is in your gallery in the long term if he gets to a price that is like okay. Yeah, I think I'm trying to see here. So there was there was one at like six and change, and then there were one, two, three, four, five above that. Like, oh man, these prices are so high. That's so annoying. Yeah, that's what I'm like, and you're talking. I, I just don't. There's just no way you're not selling Joe Al Felix if you get a reasonable price for him going forward. I don't know what's your yeah, plan, I guess. Current, what's your current champ Europe plans? Are you not really worrying about it? I'm not playing it at all. Yeah, I had um, like I had enough guys to play, and there were two things that were going to allow me to play. One was if um, Dominic started for Valencia because I have him, but it doesn't seem like he's going to, or if Maximiano was going to move to Udinese, but I was probably using him in U twenty three anyway. But like I, I pretty, I think I had literally five champion Europe cards, like two defenders, one midfielder, one forward and a goalie. And one of the midfielders was Saul who I sold when ETH was like pretty low. And so I, I'm not even sure I can make a team right now. And I have no intention of trying to make a team. Like it's just not that's a good use of my funds. Yeah. In my opinion, I know we've talked about it before and I've, I've had people cause like, obviously I say, I'm like, no one realistically should be playing champ Europe other than AJ and people like that and Carapu and et cetera. If your gallery is 10 ether, we should not be playing champ Europe. You can do so much more with your gallery in other regions than play champ Europe. I, some people are asking like why I'm getting into champ Europe. I'm getting into champ Europe because it's like the next natural progression for my, um, my gallery. I'm, I'm able to play right now. U23, or I'm sorry, I can play America D1, Asia D1, Global D1 during the American season. I can play U23 through D2. I can play Challenger 3 through D2. I can play D1 in either Challenger or U23, depending on the weeks, but it, my lineup's not going to be very good. So to me, the next natural progression is champ Europe and getting cards that I can compete with in champ Europe. So I went through and looked at like efficient ways to get myself a good gallery of players for champ EU. And by doing that, like I wanted my stacks to make sense, but also be realistically decent. So like I looked at, um, I already, like I said, I, but last time I had Bastoni, Screenar and Barella. So I'm like these, and then Screen R and Bestoni score really, 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 really well. And yeah, Barella really is, consistently. Yeah, Barella is good, but he's not great. He's not top end. So I'm like, all right, what I can do is I can solidify my D4 by getting Lautaro or Lukaku, and then Handanovic is relatively cheap. So I'm like, this is a great. D4 stack in Champ Europe that gets me Champions League action and gets me involved. So I did that. I actually just got, I traded with El Cid today. I've been talking to him. He has like 3,000 rares and like no super rares that are worthwhile. I'm like, 
like you got to get super rares. I'm like, you got to get super rares. So anyways, I won a uh, Fafa Pico for winning or finishing second in D2 a couple weeks ago, which was obviously depressing. Um, but he plays every game. He isn't great, but like he plays every game. And he forwards, if you look through like America forward super rares, man, you cannot get much for cheap. So anyways, he, uh, I'm like, and he had a Hakan Tolongalu, which goes well with my inner stack. It gives me the option to like play him over, um, play him over Barella, or I could play him over one of the defenders. Like I can move Bastoni, for example, to like U23, and I can move him into a lineup. So it gives me a little bit more flexibility with stuff. Plus, if Hakan takes over all the sets and everything, he should be pretty decent for for inner. He averaged his L40 is like 58. So like he should be pretty decent for inner if he takes that role. So, anyways, sorted that out. Then I was looking and I've been trying to sort out uh a d3 team and the problem is is i could not figure out how to do it efficiently uh everything i kept looking at was like if i want a decent super and i i considered a decent super like i don't know like an l55 l40 of 55 something like that like a good player that played every game that was that was solid and i mean i just could not find it i i couldn't find a super that was like under 2.5 to 3 that i thought was a reasonable fit for me um, and then somehow I came up, I, I looked at, actually I looked at Liverpool. So Virgil van Dyke is really cheap or no, I have a Virgil van Dyke and he should be back and he scores pretty well. Yeah. And then I had, I looked and like, I want to try Alexander Arnold because I have a sneaking suspicion that in like, whenever they do some sort of scoring tweak, it's going to be benefiting fullbacks. And if you benefit Trent Alexander Arnold, he could end up being a card that's like the alpha card, like not even just like defense. Like he could be the best card on the forum or on the site. So I really looked at like trying to get him, but like I can't justify paying 1.5 for him. But Andy Robertson, I got for 0.27. So like instead of paying 1.3 for Trent Alexander Arnold, I paid 0.27 and got Robertson. But then, so like also in this preparation process, I wanted to give myself flexibility with the teams that I get. So my inner team, I can break off the defensive portion of that team and just play the defensive portion. And then Lauturo can go into U23 and Burrell I just wouldn't use for that week per se because he's not the best. Um, so I bought a Cruz like a month, month and a half ago. And I bought a Memphis Depay, Memphis Depay, which took a while for me to get to. And part of the reason I bought Depay is I think he can be pretty good at Barca still. I think he can... I think he's going to consistently start. I don't think they pay for him to come in and not play every game. And Messi in the past has given up some set responsibilities. So, like, I think he cannot retain his full value. But you look at him, him and Neymar's stat line is the same-ish. Yeah. He's very slightly worse. But also, he is a little bit younger. And he also isn't injured all the time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I got to pie. So I bought to pie. Neymar, Neymar is the only. What? Neymar is the only similar player to Memphis on sober data. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So like I was like, and but Depay is one ETH. I paid one ETH, I think, right. for Depay. Neymar's three and a half. So mm-hmm. I'm taking a little bit of risk that Depay might take a step back at Barca, which I do think is possible, but he might regain that value um, when Messi leaves. But I'm comfortable that as long as he's playing every game with Messi, he's going to be able to get decisives and get 70, 80 points and be fine. Um, also something that I don't think people are pricing in on anything international football. The only player that's better than him is Neymar. Um, and, and Netherlands are always going to play games against some teams like Faroe Islands and stuff like that. And, and, uh, qualifiers. So like a guy like free 100s. what they're free 100s. Yeah. They're like free 100s. Like you're, I don't think people understand to compete when there's international stuff. You're gonna need hundreds. Like you need, yeah. like I think you need two seventy plus out of your three spots, and then your defense and goalie to put up like one fifties. And I'm talking about before bonuses. I think you need that stuff like before bonuses to compete. So like you need, you can't just run out a guy that's gonna get you 60, 70 points in international. It's just not gonna cut it. Um, so like the pie is really good for that. So anyways, my plan was to like use them possibly in that D4 stack or use them in a D3 stack. Well, so the problem was, is that like, I couldn't get a Trent Alexander-Arnold super rare, couldn't get a Robertson super rare, couldn't get a Virgil van Dyke super rare. So all of a sudden, if I am playing Robertson, van Dyke, and Allison, I just, it, I need a forward and maybe like a midfielder or something else super rare, and I can't really play it. So I was like, I really need a goalie and then two defenders or like at least one defender and then another super rare to like maximize my team. So I was just looking through like good scoring players and I found Simone Kerr from AC Milan. He scores pretty well. His L40 is 58. Uh, He's a little bit older. Um, He is 32 going on 33. Maybe he's all right. 33. Um, He's he's a bit older, but like he plays internationally. He's going to score decent in those international games. Um, he scores really well for Milan. He plays every game for Milan. So I'm like, all right, perfect. Let me get him. 
Uh, and then I'm like, and the reason I went this is like, I paid for a bundle with his super rare in it. And I paid like 1.1 ETH. I could sell the other parts off for like 0.6 easily. So like all of a sudden, like his super rare cost me like 0.5 ETH. Then I looked at uh, Theo Hernandez and he's too much. I looked at Tamori, he's too much. And then I looked at Calabria and Calabria stat line is pretty good. Um, it's not like the best thing ever, but like, I think his last 50 is like, uh, his last 50 is like 54 or his L40 is like 54. So he's like solid. And I can play him. And then I was able to bring in Magnin who was like fine regardless. But so instead of paying, let's say an Andy Robertson super rare would cost me two and a half ETH. Well, this whole stack that I just did cost me two and a half ETH. And I don't even have to include the rest of it. And it's very competitive. Like they're playing Champions yeah. League. They're going to be really good. And then also with that, I can now play my Cruise and the Pie with them as well. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah. So I'm hoping. So I have now sorted out Champ Europe D4 and D3 from what I want to do. And then D2 is a. Oh, and that's another reason why I like doing this idea. So, like, if I decide to move this to D2, for example, I can take um, I can take the two defenders and a rare goalie, and then all I need is a super rare mid and a super rare forward, and I can flex that in D2 and play at a disadvantage. But I think that disadvantage can be overcome based on the construction that I will have. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So that, that's my current sort of thoughts i guess with where i'm thinking of where to go for for challenge or for champ europe the uh, the other the other team i considered was uh was marseille but they're and, and i thought about marseille from a deep two perspective i just don't know what they're going to do it's a defense i'm not sure what they're going to do a goalie they've um, got a lot of questions yeah a lot of questions then milk's injured so like the only thing that like made sense to me was like depai super rare and he's cheap so like i could do that but the rest of it was too many questions for me to really uh, go into. You mean Payet? Yeah. Not the Payet. Yeah. Yeah. So sw switching gears to what I was pretending the topic was today. Uh, we got a question from Dennis Miller here asking us to go through the differences in scoring between DraftKings and SoRare. And actually, there's a topic in there that I want to discuss first. But obviously, we both have years of experience playing DraftKings soccer. And moving to so rare, we we were talking the other day about how they're like the so rare scoring system is complicated when you look at like all of the stats that they use and all of this. But it's almost like because once you start playing, the the categories make sense. Like the you know that you need to get certain decisives, some of which are extremely uh frustrating to either get or not or to not get because they're so subjective but like we know what they are and then like i look at stats a ton when i'm making DraftKings lineups just like per 90 stats of like whatever the scoring system is crosses and fouls drawn tackles one but like i don't really do that with so rare i just like generally say like oh, what's his you know is all around average do you do you like really go in to the stats in so rare like you would for DraftKings? No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> it, I look at their all around scores, but I, I look how they get their all around scores, I guess. So like I do a little bit more of the digging because um, decisives, obviously 
you know who's going to get decisive, how they're going to get the decisive, et cetera. But like in terms of like how someone gets their all around score matters to me. Um, there are some things that can be more consistent in the all around score. And we've talked about who the player archetypes you want generally are. The, the player archetype that you want is a defensive midfielder that takes sets. That is the player that is like the guy you realistically really want. Um, the other guys you want are like center backs that uh, advance the ball and win a lot of duels. And then you generally want like defensive midfielders that are very active in the tackling game. But a defensive midfielder that takes sets, those are the best players on the the platform realistically and those are the guys that i really want in terms of like offensive guys like i don't really care give me a forward that can get a decisive we know obviously which forwards are better but once you strip back the uh the like top 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 guys like the lewandowski's the neymar's the depies everyone's pretty much the same it's like do you get a decisive if not you're gonna put up like 40 to 45 points tops um, so like it's, but obviously, and then obviously like someone is, this person is more likely to get a decisive than this person. So like, obviously you want this person, but this person, otherwise, like neither of them score, they're going to be the same. If both score, they're both going to be the same. If this guy scores, this guy doesn't score, he's going to be better. So that's all you, you do. But like, I mean, I look at the, the stat lines and like, so I follow my teams all the time and I'll be checking sofa score and I'll be checking my scores. So like most of my players and players that I have, I'm familiar with how they're um, generating their points and know mm-hmm. like what they're doing to get their points. So I generally have a pretty good indication, but like I'm not looking fully, fully, fully in detail. Like, oh man, this guy's really likely to get a triple double. And like, I really want to prioritize that. I'm just looking and be like, all right, this guy gets his all around score. Uh, I Tackles is the, is the most fluky sort of stat because like, who knows if it's going to be a tackle one or a tackle lost or a tackle. Like, I don't know. So like if I see a guy that is getting like 15 points a game and tackles, I'm like, uh, like, I mean, I'm happy that don't get me wrong, but I'm also like, that's not consistent in the yeah. long term. Like he might not get registered. It depends what opt interns on, on the schedule that day, whether or not he's going to get credited with the tackle one or not. So I, I generally will look at the all-around scores. So myself personally, like I much prefer the all-around score than the decisive. I don't really care about decisives. I really don't care much at all about decisives. I want an all-around score. I want a guy that is going to get me 60 points regardless of what he does. If he scores or gets an assist, fantastic. I know I'm getting 100 out of him. But I want a guy, I want to put five guys on the field goalie obviously they suck so whatever um i want the other four guys to all get 60 points so like i want forward you generally unless you have a depai or a neymar they're not going to get 60 points unless you get decisive so i want my forward to be a guy that's very likely to get a decisive and then the other three guys i want to be three guys that are going to get 60 almost no matter what with the idea that if everyone in my lineup gets 60 and then one of them gets a decisive I'm going to have a decent week. If two of them get decisive, I'm looking up in the top like 10 or 15. And if all, if three of them get a decisive, I'm looking at a podium position. Then you're like, so like for me, I'm all about like guys that are going to get 50 to 60 points. That's why like, I like guys like uh, Alvaro Madron, who we talked about his all around. We actually, I was talking with someone with Phantom the other day about Madron 
And in the games where he has had the set pieces this year, his um, his average is 72. Um, his average is like suppressed because like five games he didn't have set pieces and he wasn't that good. But like you look at his all around, like last week they played down a man for the whole game. He ended up with like 56 points. So like he's a guy I'm like, hey, he's not going to kill my lineup no matter what. So like if I put him in there and then I play him with Nani and Nani scores a brace. Well, I'm like, all right, well, I just got 60 at least from Madron plus 90 from Nani. I'm well on my way to a podium. So like all I want is I want guys that are going to be there to support the big scores, I guess is the best way to say it. I want support to be out there. So like if I get a guy that has 100, I want to know that he's supported by three guys that are going to put up 60s and give me a chance. Yeah, no, that's a great point. The One of the things that I can't remember who it was, might have been Durr, might have been. I'm going to give him credit for it anyway. But uh, talking about DraftKings – uh, scoring and a lot of people just look at per 90 averages in terms of fantasy points and even if you look into like how they score those points i think it's one of those where you obviously the all of the points matter like winning tackles uh, matters interceptions matter to a lesser lesser extent fouls drawn matter in terms of scoring points but those stats have no upside like literally they cannot turn into a goal or an assist crosses can turn into chances created that turn into assists shots turn into shots on goal, which turn into goals. When you look at all around scores, like you were saying, like you, it's great when the guy, you know, gets 12 points for his tackles, but like, are you going any further in that analysis for so rare of like, I actually don't want the guy who's getting all of his points because he's winning tackles but I want the guy who's like creating chances. Obviously, like we talk about set pieces, set pieces are stupidly important on DraftKings just because of all of the crosses and chances created. Crosses are like bad on so I think that's one of the things that like threw us off initially when you come in. I think like that lo- set pieces are so incredible. I, they, set pieces might be more important on so than DraftKings even. Wow. Okay. I, I think so. Cause you're talking so like, if I connect, let's say my guy takes, unless your guy's a defensive, if your guy's a defender, it, it's not the same. If your guy's a midfielder, possession loss is not that detrimental compared to what it is for a defender. But yeah. like, let's say I have 10 crosses in the game and I connect on three of them, one of which being a big chance miss, I'm probably getting 10 points from just those set pieces. Right. So like I think the set pieces like DraftKings like you obviously you set pieces like I take ten set pieces I'm getting what seven points that's that's huge but like on DraftKings someone is putting up like thirty five points and that seven might not matter as much um, on on so rare if I get a guy that's I'm like here's ten to fifteen points strictly from set pieces and you're already at fifty five like it's similar to like looking at like defenders like if a defender if you pair him with a goalie and needs a clean sheet like you're giving him a ten point bonus. Giving a guy on set pieces is just like 10 points. Or it might be like, for example, if a guy always takes set pieces, you just sort of, that's his score line. But if he like loses set pieces, you're like, all right, let me remove eight to 10 points from what I would project from him because he's probably unlikely to get that. Um, and then that's what like I saw that with Madron. Like if you look at Madron's stat line for the year, the games where he had 
set pieces, like I said, his average is 72, but like his all around average is like 27. The games where he did not have set pieces, his all around average was like nine. Um, and, and that's just because like, for whatever reason, his set pieces have been incredibly efficient. He's really connected on them. But you're talking about, you get, I think you get a long pass completed into the opposition box into a shot you're talking i think it's like three points if it's not a bcm and if it's a bcm five and like as you are aware of bcms are generated by where they are on the field so if a guy wins a lot of the time corner kicks lead to bcms because the the guy on the other end of it's at like six yards and he sends it over well, that might be a BCM for that guy, but as the Seppi taker, you don't give a shit. You just will take your extra two points and call it a five point play. And you're right. You're like, Hey, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Alex, I agree that, that if, if Gil's out, which is in, indicated, Gustavo bow is probably a really good buy right now in general, because um, he could be a forward. I would say if, if he is on the sets, which I anticipate him being on and Gil's out for, let's say two months, Bo's probably the third best forward on the platform in America and probably a top 10 forward in general because he'll probably take all the set pieces and the PKs with Gil out. So um, I think there's a good chance that Bo's like a fantastic buy for anyone. If anyone's looking for a forward to go and buy that you can play in not only uh, America but global. I think there's a good chance over the next two months he's a top – 10 forward on the entire platform and top three in America. The only people that should be better than him are Vela and Nani's forward card in America. And then like Lewandowski, Depay, Neymar. That's that. Those are like the only people that are like clearly better than him uh, for the next like two months. But Nani's really just, well, I guess he's not just decisives, but his all around isn't that, is it that good? Well, you can't tell because his, his midfield is what's listed. His forward yeah. card is better than his midfield card because he doesn't really do any defensive sure. work. So his forward card is probably I, – I think his L40 is like – his L40 is like 59 on the midfield. Yeah, his L40 is 59 on the forward. I'm sorry, on the forward card, his L40 is 59. I would guess – I again, I can't see it. I would guess that his – L40 is like 65 or 64 um, on his mid on his forward card. On his forward card, yeah. Yeah. I was I got one week out of uh Gil and Boo. That was it. One oh line. well, I mean, I had it, I sold I sold Bo. I had at the beginning of the year, I had him, Buxa, and Gil. And someone offered me a really good price on Bo at some point. I'm just like, yeah, I'll take it. Because at, at that time I it was when he was doing his like in and out of the lineup nonsense and yep. he's not young. And I had other options that I was playing. I was just like, yeah, that's fine. I'll take it. Now I wish I had him. I, he's going to be a really good card. The next couple months. That's like, I mean, yeah, these guys are old, but like, I mean, I'll, I'll pump my price on my Nani. Like Nani's super rare mid is like an, a 60 point player. Like it's a top 10 card out there. And like I have a list at like 1.5 and it didn't sell. And like I've lowered it to like 1.25 and I've not gotten an offer above like 0.75 on it. 
Like this is a guy that's like a top five player in his position in the league. And I can't get like one ETH for it. It's, it's pretty crazy to me right now. But again, age and all that stuff. Yeah. Boo is still younger than you. So no, no, Nani's older than me. Nani's older. Nani is, yeah. He's younger than you. He's older than me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, ah, this gill thing is just killing me. I just, uh, but, uh, so you play a lot more FanDuel than I do, and FanDuel scoring is a lot different than DraftKings. FanDuel is more similar to so rare. Is more similar to so rare. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more similar to SoRare in that. Well, it's not. It's not similar to SoRare. SoRare is obviously completely different. No, yeah, right. But like, it includes defensive stats. Like uh, interceptions are very important. Uh, tackles, tackles, not tackles. One are very important. Yeah, clearances. Um, clearances are very important on Fanduel. So like, those are all things that are not on DraftKings at all. So like, Fanduel's like sort of in the middle of the three of like how the scoring is done. But but again. Silver is so complicated. Silver has so many different things, but I, I, it's kind of weird. So it's very, very, very complex, but it's also very simple. You just get like players who archetype make sense within the matrix and you get them. Like, for example, you get a midfielder that takes sets that's a central midfielder. You get a center back that wins a lot of duels and like progressive passes quite a bit. And those are like the guys that are really important for the Silver matrix. So, like in terms of like, every single aspect of their stats you don't need to know you just need to know sort of like what archetype you're looking for gustavo boo uh sold for 0.28 a minute ago rare he just sold for 2.28 yeah i saw someone someone listening maybe someone's listening to this show i mean he's like i said he he could be up there above every other every other forward on the platform realistically like he could be up above vela for the next like two months I had yeah, there's, there's a lot of selling actually over the last couple of days right around there. Yeah. Uh, he was one of my first MLS forward buys. Um, oh, it was Alex. Look at that. <laughs> he just buy it? He's no, pumping yeah. his own card. There, yeah, he bought it and then he dropped that line in there. Uh, he's going to be good. But yeah, Boo was one of the first ones I bought. And I think I started with him and Lucas Cavallini were my first two. Yeah. And I remember at the beginning of the season, like Cavallini was like fine and Boo was awful. Awful because he kept getting moving in and out of the lineup. And this was when Casper uh, Shabilko was just like destroying the CONCACAF Champions League early on. Mm -hmm. And I think he scored a bunch early. And I was like, man, I like Boo just, I ruined it. And uh, thankfully he's he's coming good now. Although who knows what this team looks like without Carlos Seal. Well, like, they should be pretty bad. <laughs> I don't I don't see any creativity without, without Gil. Like yeah. their offense is like get the ball – to Carlos Gill. So, like, is that going to be like, – what's their offense going to be? Maybe Troustison could be a sneaky guy that could be okay, too, because, like, he maybe can be a guy that fills the role, but, like, they don't have anyone that can fill that, that Gill role. So, like, I don't know what they're going to do. Hopefully, Boo just balls out because that's what I need. Um, so, Jack Price is one of those guys, Perez. Um these are defensive mids with Joao Paulo is another. Like as, as you'll see, like these are the top midfielders in the league generally. Um, not not always. Like a guy like Carlos Gill can play like an attacking midfielder and be that guy. But like Joao Paulo, Jack Price, Madron are all guys that are playing like DM or CM roles, and those are the guys that are really really good within the matrix. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look through in terms of like defensive midfielders. All three of those guys I would consider like defensive midfielders based on their roles within their team. Jack Price, especially, is a defensive midfielder. Joao Paulo is especially a defensive midfielder. Now, that said, Paulo will probably fall off if Ladero's back, which has been rumored. Yeah. 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 I think everyone else is pretty much like Busio, although he's gone. Mihalovic is more of an attacking midfielder. Montero, although he might be gone. Yeah. yeah. But Montero used to be a defensive midfielder, and that's like when his right. staff were quite a bit, a little bit better, I think, as a, as a defensive midfielder. Um, yeah, Atuesta, Atuesta, when he would take sets, like I would consider him like a defensive midfielder. It doesn't need to be like an out-and-out defensive midfielder. It needs to be like yeah. – generally, what I'm referring to is like a guy that is involved to some extent defensively, so like they can get you a – Couple interceptions and a couple tackles one. Because like you, you're talking like you get like let's say you get two tackles one, two foul or two interceptions as as a defensive mid. That's like eight points. It's huge. So uh, and then well then another four for the double double. So you're talking like twelve points. So like realistically, what I'm saying is you want a guy that can get you like two tackles, two interceptions, two plus two in the duels one department. Something like that would is realistically what I'm looking at. Yeah, Caceres yeah. is an example as well. Michael Bradley, of course. Michael Bradley's been pretty solid. Our our boy Black uh, said how much that um, Bradley like bailed him out early in the year because like he had Lodero, so like Lodero being injured forced him into playing Michael Bradley. But Bradley was very solid um, at the beginning of the season before Pozuelo came back. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think Caceres is offsets now. I think Tolkien takes most of them. Yeah, that makes sense. And Caceres has been like. Mm, a bit mm, recently. He was gone, I'm gone not, for Gold Cup for uh, gone for Copa. Yeah, isn't his car? His car. He has a midfield and a forward card. I think this year's is a forward card. But like yeah. when he was, his midfield card is much better than his forward card is because he is a little bit active in the defensive department. But like if he's not in sets, he's not near as as appealing as what he was. Yeah, yeah. That forward card was was just weird. Like. He doesn't play forward nearly enough to justify that. Yeah, Kleshton won't be starting here once Legette comes back, I guess. <laughs> Kleshton, the penalty taker for uh, LA Galaxy in 2021. This is the world we're living in now, Sean. I always liked Sasha Kleshton. I liked him like when he was a bit younger. I thought I thought that like the last time he was involved with the men's national team, he should have been playing because there was absolutely nothing in that cam central midfielder role. And I thought he was better than some of the other options, which again, like shows how far the U S men's national team has come because you probably laugh at something like that now, but like, I really do think like five years ago, he was the guy that should have been playing over like some of the other options. Yeah. It's, it's better. He's gone now. Yes. Well, I mean, we've moved on to hopefully greener pastures now at this point. Do you think you would think he's as good if he didn't have the mustache? No, of course not. You, you yeah. can't be as good if you don't have a mustache. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, Bo- yeah, you're right, Alex. Busio. Busio is like another guy that's literally that's his march. So you look at the top 10 midfielders in MLS. Let me pull them up real quick. You're talking about guys that fit this type of archetype within the MLS. Like it's guys that are and, and again, like we're only talking MLS. We are both very familiar with MLS compared to uh, Mexico and Argentina and Brazil. Like this is, we are more familiar with that, so that's why 
we're looking at this. So if I look at an L40 stat, this is your like top 10 mids in America. So you got Carlos Gill, we've discussed midfielder that wins a lot of duels um, and takes sets. Jack Price, DM sets. Joel Paulo, DM sets. Montero, he's probably a cam now sort of and, and takes sets. Um, Pozuelo is a cam and takes sets. Pedro Santos is the like one person on this list that does not really take sets and just doesn't do much. Um, your boy, Maxi Morales, who's like cam that did take sets. Like a lot of his L40 is buoyed from like last year, not like yeah. this year where he's not really taking much. Um, Nani, who just scores a lot. Uh, Atuesta, again, CMDM that takes sets. Reynoso. Uh, can that takes all the sets and then you're like then you're talking more people and like i said like busio busio if i look at l15 busio l15 is 65 i'm just looking at an l40 perspective like if i look at an l15 names that are different that weren't on that list but are on this list are busio c dm cm that takes sets madron dm cm that takes sets um Marcelino Moreno, he's the guy that he's the guy in Atlanta, right? Yeah. And I assume he takes sets. I, I don't watch Atlanta because I have really nothing to do with their team. I mean, I have some players, but I, I don't watch their games frequently. But yeah, so if you look at the if you look at the L15 in MLS of the top 15 players, two don't take sets. That is well, only one, actually. If I look at an L15, only one person does not take sets, and that is Robin Laud in 15th, and he is he is a forward, effectively. Yeah. Everybody else in the top 15 takes sets. So, like, that, that just goes to show, like, how important sets are. I, I don't think I don't think much of Chicharito Perez. I, I don't he's old he's not going to score any better than a lot of other forwards i can get in an mls like his heater at the start of the year was obviously fantastic like he was on a heater but like even at the start of the year like i was at that time i was playing like seven rare forwards in globe seven mls rare forwards he was not getting in my lineup a lot of <laughs> that, that just goes to show like I, i'm not saying like he isn't scoring and wasn't able to score at the beginning of the year but like there's just a lot of better options than that of chicharito What's funny about that is that we were talking before about how there aren't that many great MLS forwards. Yeah. Like there are a few that are okay. I mean, obviously like Vela kind of stands out, but after that, it's like there aren't really that many great ones and Chicharito still couldn't fit in. Okay. Here, here's a, here's a trivia question for you without, since you're not looking right now, if I look at L15 and MLS, Vela is one. Chicharito is two, but he hasn't played a lot of the games. Bo is three. Who is fourth? And this person is the first person that has played 100% of games in the L15. Dijomi. No, he is actually the second one, though. He is the second. He is That's fifth. my boy. Yeah, so if I give you this team, if I give you a hint of the team, you still might get it wrong. Kansas City. 
because he hasn't played, it's obviously not Polito. And because you think I'm not going to get it, then it's not Russell. Correct. So it's got to be uh, shallowy. Correct. Daniel Savoy is the top forward in MLS that's played 100% of the L15, which is wild to me. But, like, if you look at L40 and MLS at forwards, Vela is seven points better than Polito, who is the second highest person at, at forward. And, like, so the gap from Polito, seven points down from Polito, you go to, like, through, like, 16 guys and get down to, like, Yimmy Chara. So, like, the gap yeah. from Vela to Polito is the gap from Polito to Yimmy Chara. So, and and to be, and on that L40, Chicharito is below Yimmy Chara. So, like, I just, uh, Leo so does not winning MVP? set pieces, but Mukhtar takes a majority of the set pieces. Yeah, Leo used to. But, yeah, so, like, there's just not, the MLS forwards and forwards in America are just not that strong. Um, outside of, like, well, and, and Nani. Nani rare forward card from last season is about 64, 65. He's right there with Vela. That's why people, I've had like five people come to me wanting to buy the Nani rare card. I have his rare forward card. I probably had like five people come ask me for his rare forward card. But the problem is, is people are stupid. And everyone that like prices, it's like, I'll give you 0.2. I'm like, yeah, his midfield card's worth 0.2. They're like, yeah, that's the going rate on Nani. I'm like, no, that's the going rate on the Nani the the midfield, his forward is is a much more valuable card. His his forward card, in my opinion, should be like double what his his midfield card is because, like his, if I if I'm looking at forwards in MLS, like Vela is like 0.5, and Polito's like let's call it 0.2, and Rossi's 0.3. Nani should probably be like 0.275, I would yeah. say. Um, but like his midfield card, if I look at Nani's midfield card, well, not his midfield card, but like in general, the sale price on Nani is like 0.19. Well, I don't want to sell his rare forward at 0.19. I want to sell his rare forward cards, a completely different card than his midfield card. Yeah. They're like completely different players. So what people don't understand, like if you have a forward Nani and a midfield Nani, they're not the same player. It's a different player. Just think of two separate players on the field. That's they're completely different. One of the guys is a guy that averages like 59 over the L40. The other guy's a guy that averages like 64 out of the L40. Is that a much more scarcer position? I was gonna say the scare, much scarcer position. Much scarcer. Yeah. Uh, I just popped into my head back to the Fanduel scoring. The weird thing about if you concentrate on defensive stats, like we were saying, they they count uh, clearances and total tackles. They do block shots, I think, and uh, they count interceptions more. But you want guys on bad teams to get yeah. those stats, yeah. whereas on so rare you want guys on good teams. Yeah, no, on, on, I'm still not even positive about that. I, I've <laughs> had trouble fully – your forwards, you want them on good teams, obviously. I still haven't figured out if I want – defenders on good teams i think the answer is yes i think you want them on good teams because when i look through all the defenders on um in general they're frequently on good teams and i think the reason for that is because they get a lot of progressive passes into the opposition's half and they also the other team also is forced to like lump the ball to the midfield because they're generally pressing teams and therefore you're a lot more likely to get um to get like duels one and stuff, but 
if I look like, for example, if I look in the top 10 and, and I don't know some of the players in and out, but Robin proper is seventh best offensive player in the L 15. He was on Heracles. They were like bottom third ish to like, they're like mid third table team. They're not anything special. Um, but then like, I look at like Hatanaka and Tiago Martins. They're very good. Yeah. Uh, their team's very good. Some of these other players are like very, very good on very good teams. I'm, I'm trying to look at like, like Koki Machida, like Antlers is good, but they're not like great. So like, I think people can put up good scores on bad teams. I, I don't think you have to be on a, a good team as, as a defender, but I do think it does help overall. Yeah. I think you're just more likely to get something out of bad team defenders on FanDuel right. than you are on so rare. No, on, on FanDuel, like I'm, you literally look at like, Real Madrid's playing the worst team in the Champions League and they're five goal favorites. You want the center backs on that team every time. And that's why, pe- but that goes to why people are terrible at FanDuel for DFS purposes. People can't grasp that. Like you play those guys every, like I would play that player over like Neymar majority of the time. Like that player is going to have a more consistent output than Neymar a lot of the time. But like, but and then you like people will play like Virgil van Dyke. Well, Virgil van Dyke scores a goal. I, I've had it before where like someone will play Virgil van Dyke for like $14 on FanDuel and I'll play random loser from his opponent's team. That's a five goal favorite and van Dyke's and he's like $5 on FanDuel and yeah. van Dyke scores and loses to my guy by seven points. Yeah. The $5 special on the loser team. Yeah. So like people, people don't understand how to do things on, on FanDuel. But like on so rare, I think you can and like DraftKings. DraftKings, you want fullbacks on good teams. Right on Fanduel, you want center backs on bad teams. On so rare, I think you can get away with everyone guys else on any variety of teams. It just sort of has to work out for them. Like it just that game, they have to have a good duels game, or they have to have a good um, tackles one game. Like if you, if you randomly get five interceptions, that's a lot of points. Yeah, um, that's a lot of points. So I, I think that there's some. You can have good scores from bad teams. I think generally you want to be on a good team, but I'm not fully positive like every game that's that's how it goes. Because, like, yeah, if I look at, like, Robin Proper's stat line, and, like, even, like, I've, I've done this a little bit. Like, I've looked at, like, teams that are very good um, and, like, what they did versus those teams. So, like, if I look at Robin Proper versus, like, PSV, they got smoked, and he put up 50 points. And then I looked at another game where, like, they won big and he put up, like, 50 points. And then I look at a game where, like, they won big and he put up, like, 115 points. So, like, I I just think you can have an okay game even if you don't do that well. Yeah. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I think we've gone long enough, so I can let you go here. Um, We... Sean's willing to come on whenever we want. So uh, if anybody has any more questions, uh, you can find Sean at on Twitter. Is it just at PSU fans too? Yep, that's Twitter. Okay. Uh, you can find me at Rotowire Andrew. So definitely reach out if you have any other topics uh, you want us to discuss. So Sean, thank you for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.